Well, everybody, eight years today, and listen, it is absolutely, it's incredible to look back at what God has done in these last seven years. Again, what started as just a dream that God whispered into Tate and I's heart when we were in Orange County, that turned into 60 on a launch team, 500 on our first Sunday, 800 at Easter, and a church that grew to well over, over 1,000 within its first two years, and, and since you guys have seen, listen, hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of stories that have been told, stories of redemption, stories of people finding life, stories of people finding hope, and we've seen it over and over and over again in our midst, amen, church? And we are grateful to God for all that he has done in these last seven years of ministry. Do you know that in these last seven years we've seen 2,300 and some odd people give their life to Jesus at this place. Come on, church. That's something worth celebrating. We've seen at Citizens in the last seven years over 700 people baptized. And I want you to hear this, that behind every one of those numbers is a story. And God loves to tell stories. God loves to tell stories of redemption. God loves to tell stories of hope. God loves to tell stories of life. And he's done it over and over again in our midst. And friends, we are just getting started. Think about, think about all the relationships that God has built in this church. Like if you've been around citizens, I'm telling you, I know one thing, you got some new friends, right? Amen? Aren't you glad and grateful to God for the people that God's brought in your life through this church and the the friendships you've made, the people you've been able to do life with. You know, the Bible says that we're to, care, to bear one another's burdens, and I've watched that over and over again in this church, how you guys have, in just such a special way, walked with one another through different seasons of life together. And I'm, I'm telling you, if you're missing out on that, don't miss out on it. Like, there are some friendships waiting for you in the context of this church. Um, I think about the marriages that we've seen restored, the lives that we've we've seen touched and changed, that the kids, the wayward kids that have come home, I mean, over and over again, we've just have seen God work. Think about, the, think about the ministries over the last seven years that God has started and just blessed through Citizens Church. Think about how many of you love a, love, a little, love a little summer blast, everybody? I mean, come on, think about that just by itself. Like seven years ago, I remember casting vision to the church for summer blast. Hey, church, we're going to reach 300 kids. Like, we're going all in. Let's go. And this is massive number for us because we were like three or four weeks old as a church. And it was going to cost us $15,000. I'm like, and here's what we're going to We're going to make it free for all these kids. It's going to cost us $15,000. And this church raised over $20,000 to make that very first event happen. Come on, everybody. Like, right in the beginning. And I went, there's something special about this church. Like, let's, let's lean in. Let's go. And over the years, we saw that ministry grow from 300 kids at that very first summer blast to five years later, 1,500 kids at two different locations. Come on, everybody. Do you realize how special that is? Every year, 1,500 plus kids hearing the gospel, bringing that over into their homes, mom and dad, brother and sister. I mean, you're touching every summer through that one event alone thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people in our community just through that one event alone every single year. It's incredible to see what God has done and how it's impacted so many lives. 
Think about this. We don't talk about this enough. Think about what God has done over these last seven years with citizens' worship, with our music. I don't know if you know this, but you are a spoiled church. Come on, everybody. Like, hello? Where are you at, church? You're spoiled. We got, like, some of the best around. And God has not only spoiled us, but he's used that to just bless so many other people. Our citizens' music, as we've put so much time and energy and effort in, and come on, aren't you grateful for Chris Dobb and Dustin, Dustin Lau and everyone pouring in and making that all happen, the team that works so hard? Do you know that that song we sing today, um, Heaven Come Down, come on. When you sleep, heaven comes down. When you, where you at? Come on, right? Like you just want to dance when you hear that song. Like I remember when I first heard, I turned up the room and I'm like, I can't help this. I got to stand up. I got to let's go, let's go. Do you know that song was released just nine months ago? And in 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 those nine months, back in in May, that it has been streamed over 160,000 times in just these last nine months. And so get this. Here's what that means. Our our music. When you take that song and all the other songs that Citizens has written, from the hours of 9 a.m. To midnight, our music right now is being heard all over the world, and in, in any given hour, there's anywhere from 40 to 60 people listening to our music, which literally means that at every second of every day, at every minute, there is somebody that is receiving from this house, come on, some hope and some uplifting life-giving words spoken over them, and that's happening every single second of every single day. Somebody in our nation, somebody in our world is being blessed through the music that comes through this house. It's absolutely incredible. In just seven years, remember, we're just getting started, right? We're still on the runway, everybody. I don't talk about this enough, but one of our, one of our cultural points is that we would be a sacrificial church, that we would give sacrificially to the work of God in our world. And I want you to know that not only have you invested thousands and thousands of hours into the summer blast and the outreaches that we do here in the city and the things that we've done overseas, but you guys have given so much financially to help support local, national, and global missions that you have, friends, poured back into our community nationally, locally, and globally. Think about the different things that we've been involved in and the things that we've supported as a church. I'm just gonna read some to you. Everything from our Christmas mall. How many of you, like, man, that last Christmas mall was so much fun. Christmas mall, share the love, backpack jam, summer blast, what we've poured into Micah House, our serve days, One Day LA. If those of you know One Day LA, what happened there, we were part of that financially and helping make that happen. Our Vox Nights. So I want you to hear this. Listen, you have invested, that's all locally. Nationally, as a church, we have invested in these last seven years $135,000 into specifically helping new life-giving churches be launched all over our nation. And we've been personally involved, not just financially, but personally involved in, in coaching and training and supporting all of those churches. Tate and I just got a letter this week from one of those churches that we helped plant out in Bentonville, Arkansas. Bentonville, where are they at? Huh? Out in Florida, tell me, help, help me out. Where's that? Echo Life Church in Florida. And they sent, I was thinking of, uh, what's the names in Bentonville too. We get churches everywhere that we've touched. But we got a, a letter from them this week just saying, 
we just want to thank you, Pastor Chris and Tatum. Like, we would not be a church without your support. When they went to plant, we helped them financially. We came around them, and we, Tate and I are on FaceTime Zoom calls with them and just encouraging and coming around them. And because of you, that church exists today. And because of you, there's churches all over the place, $135,000 we've given to help launch these churches. And here's why it's a good investment when you help launch a church. Because once that church gets up on their feet, how many of you know that that church is gonna now be supporting local, global, and national missions? And as that dollar goes into them, it then gets multiplied to help go into other places. Come on, amen. And we've seen it over and over and over again. We've helped plant churches. As you look at what we've done globally, we've helped run camps in Africa, and through our partnership with Convoy of Hope, we've helped to mobilize and aid and food to those in need all around the world, and right now, currently, you are helping to provide food and aid to those affected by the typhoon in, in the Philippines. Right now, we're doing that. Through our partners, we've helped put thousands of Bibles in hands of kids all across the world through our partnership with One Hope. And over these last seven years, we have reinvested. So as a church, we, you know, as individuals, we tithe. But as a church, we also tithe and go above our tithes. And, and we have, as a church, now invested and counting $622,000 local, national, and global. We've done that as a church. Come on, amen. Like, to, to fund ministry and to get behind the gospel and what God's doing. There's nothing, there's nothing greater than just getting behind what God is doing. And we've done it over and over again. But church, hear me. It's just the beginning. You know that numbers in, in the Bible have significance. And eight, this year that we're stepping into, you've heard me talk about this before, eight is the number of, who knows, come on, help me out, new beginnings. Eight is the number of new beginnings. Eight is the number, listen to me, of, of fresh things, of new beginnings. And as exciting as the last seven have been, church, this is the year that God is up to something new. This is the beginning of the fresh. This is the beginning of what we've seen in the last seven, that there's tenfold still ahead of us, everybody. It's the year of something fresh. We all love something fresh. And your God is the God of fresh. Not only does he want to do a fresh work in our Church, look at me. I want to declare this over your year. It's the year of new. It's the year of fresh. It's the year of God doing things that you now have begun to lose in places where you're starting to lose hope. God wants to steer hope back up again because he's not done. He wants to do something fresh. And if you let him, he will. If you let him, he's going to show up. If you let him, you're going to move into the new. You're going to move into the fresh. Some of you need to shake the dust off of these last couple years and step into what God's calling you to, what he's put in front of you. And it's time, my friends, to do it. Someone say, it's time. It's time. We all like something fresh. You don't show up to the grocery store and go, where's the stale bread? You don't go looking for the stale bread. Matter of fact, if you go and all there is is stale bread, he goes, excuse me, do you guys, do you guys have anything coming up fresh? And if they go, oh, it's going to be like 15, 20 minutes, they're like, oh, I will wait the 15, 20 minutes. Why? Because I don't want no stale bread. I want the fresh. Matter of fact, if you're walking through the store, when they happen to be making fresh bread, you all of a sudden went to the store not to get bread, but you're going to get bread. Why? Because it's fresh bread, right? You like a little fresh uh, 
little fresh uh, French bread. Mmm, smells so good, right? You like fresh. I mean, Krispy Kreme is good all the time. But it's better when it's fresh. Amen? Like, turn that little light on, you're like, well, nah, I'll go back and get some. Because it's fresh. It's fresh. It's new. And you guys, listen, God is the God of fresh. If you let him, he's got something for you this year. I ask you to turn over to Isaiah chapter 43. It's where we're going to be in the rest of our time together. Isaiah 43, verses 14 through 19. Uh, I don't have my scriptures here in front of me. We're going to have to go right here. Isaiah 43, verses 14 through 19, here's what it says. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sakes I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians in the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your king. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea. Someone say he makes a way. He says, the one who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and the reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished and snuffed out like a wick. Forget, God says, the former things. Lean in. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing what? A new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Behold, he says, I am doing. Someone say a new thing. God is the God of new things. God is the God of fresh. I've got a question for you. What is the something fresh you need to see God do in your life this year? What is the something fresh Something new you are believing God for this year. Back in the book of Isaiah 43, the children of Israel, when God is speaking this to them, they are somewhere in the middle of their 70-year captivity um, under the Babylonians. And in the middle of that captivity, they've started to lose hope. And they've started to settle. Their, their hearts are, are, are just kind of growing weary and God speaks to them in the middle of that to encourage them once again and remind them that he is the God who still works miracles. But here they are in captivity. And I think a lot of us today come in here today with a little bit of captivity inside of our life. And let me push into this. Here's what I mean. There's places in our lives where we find ourselves like the children of Israel, where we've just been kind of held down, where we've just been kind of pushed back. Especially after all that we walk through together in these last couple of years, so many of you feel like you've been, you've been knocked down. A way to say it is maybe you feel stuck a little bit, right? So maybe you feel like there's been pushback in your relationships. Maybe you feel like there's been pushback in your finances. There's been pushback on some dreams you've had. There's, there's been pushback in, in different, you know, in your marriage and your relationship with your kids. And, and you're in this place today where you just feel stuck. You see, that's what oppression is. That's what captivity is. It's when, look at me, when there's places in your life where they, they're just stuck 
And all of us have them. These, these things that we've tried over and over again to move past, but we can't. We just, we keep getting stuck. Where is it where you need to see God unstuck your stickness, right? The places where you've been held in captivity. For some of us, it's not just that we've been knocked down over these last couple years with all that we walked through in, in COVID. For some of us, it's stuff you've been, you've been wrestling with your whole life. Like you've been, you've been fighting your whole life to, to break free of some kind of addiction. And yet every time you fight, every time you commit yourself, this is gonna be the year I'm gonna, and every time you, you press in, you keep getting, like the children of Israel, uh, you get pushed back. You get held down, you're, you're still captive in, in that area of your life. You're still oppressed in that area. You just can't break through. For your whole life, you've dealt with insecurities. For your whole life, every time you step out to do something God's called you to do or you put yourself out there, there's this nagging voice inside you that tells you you'll never make it. You'll never be good enough. You're, you're gonna fail. And you, you're always wrestling with insecurity. And it's held you back time and time again. And for your whole life, you've wrestled with this thing. Some of you, your whole life, have been working to change your bad attitude. Come on, anyone got a little bad attitude from time to time, right? And there's just these these destructive characteristics inside of us that we see. And you've tried over and over again, but you just keep getting pushed back. Here's the danger in every single one of those places, okay? Has everyone identified their place? Here's the danger. Is that in those places where we find ourselves, like the children of Israel, being pushed back, we start to, in those places, lose hope. And some of you are beginning to lose hope. So you've lost hope for your marriage. You've lost hope for your relationship with your kids. You've lost hope for you finally overcoming all those insecurities. You, you've lost hope like for the dreams that once were inside of you. Because every time you've, you've tried to accomplish that dream, you just got, you got pushed back. And so now, now instead of dreaming, you, you, Man, you just, you're, you're losing hope. And I wonder where it is in your life today that you've started to, to lose hope. Here's the danger about losing hope. Are you guys with me, following me? Like when you lose hope, what starts to happen is you begin to settle. See, I don't have any hope, so why, why try? And what ends up, what ends up happening is you, you start putting down roots and territory that God never calls you to live in. But I've lost hope, and so now I'm, I'm settling. And you start to call things home that were never meant to be your home. Remember, God's got more. But if you don't have hope in your heart, you don't move toward the more, you settle for the less. Look at me, church, don't you settle. Because your God is the God of fresh. He's the God of new beginnings. He's the God of all hope, the scripture says. He says, stir up your hope. Can I talk to the church for a second? I think there's so many people in the church, I hear it in conversations, who are starting to lose hope. Like, I don't know what has happened in these last couple of years in the church where we forgot who God is. Like, we go, it's just so dark. Well, the Bible says he's the light of the world, so I think we're going to be okay, right? Well, you know, it's, it's just like, it's, it just doesn't seem like there's any kind, there's any way, uh, He's the God who makes a way. And I think there's just people in the church where we're starting to lose hope. And so we, we lose hope. We look at the nation and go, oh, I guess there's no hope. I don't know if there's any hope. 
It's all going to hell in a handbasket. Like, who made that up, right? California, oh, man, don't even get me started on California and all the issues and blah, blah, blah. There's just no hope. It's funny. I talk to friends across the nation. They think, like, California's just going like, to get cut off and float out into, out into the sea, like God's judgment on California. I'm like, no, God put me in California, and I'm filled with hope, right? And the church needs to come on. Where are you at? You wake up. The church needs to go, no, there's hope. See, there, there's, there's hope for all these teens right now that are wrestling with depression, that, are, that are, their lives are being taken with, with suicide. There's hope. There is a way to see this generation suicide free. There is a way for these kids to, to lift their eyes and catch a vision for the future. There is hope, you see, and we as the church of all people should never lose hope. See, if you lose hope, you start to settle. You hunker down, and you never actually move into the territory that God has been inviting you into all along. And that was the problem with the children of Israel. Here they are in captivity. It's a 70-year captivity, and in the middle of it, they start to lose hope, and they start to settle, so much so that when God fulfilled this prophecy of the new thing, and he sent Persia down to, to overcome and to, the Babylonians and to take the Babylonians to flight, that the Israelites who had settled down in Babylon never moved back to Jerusalem. Why? Because they bought homes, swimming pools. They started calling home something that was never meant to be home. They settled. Church, don't settle. Listen, the biggest danger to a Christian is not that they're gonna wreck their life. It's that they're gonna waste it. It's that they're not gonna taste what it is that God actually wants to call them into. And so what you have to do, look at in every single area of your life where you have lost hope, you need to start steering up faith, okay? You gotta start steering faith up again. And this is what God does to the children of Israel. Like, I don't know, we're just gonna be stuck in Babylonian captivity forever. And I think we're just, and they're all starting, I guess we just buy a home, build a pool, it's just, it's gonna be a home. And here's what God says to them, did you see it? God says, I need you to remember. Someone say, remember. God says, you need to steer up faith. And here's how we do it. I need you to remember. And watch what he says. Let's look at it again. What are we to remember? This is what the Lord says. Oh, your redeemer, who is he? I need you to remember. I'm your redeemer. I need you to remember. I'm the holy one of Israel. Skip down to the next part, verse 14. This is what the Lord says. I need you to remember, watch. He who makes a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew up the chariots and the horses, the army and the reinforcements together, they now lay their waste, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. What's he talking about? I need you to remember, he says, remember what I did at the Red Sea? Remember what I did when you were in captivity under the Egyptians? and you thought there was no way out? Remember when you got pushed up against this Red Sea and your army was coming in behind you? Remember how I made a way? Someone say, you made a way? Remember how I made a way through the sea? Remember how you walked through on dry ground? Remember how when you got to the other side, when you put faith in me? By the way, that was something fresh, wasn't it? That, that never happened before. They're up against the, the sea and the army's coming and what are we gonna do? And there's just no, there's just no conceivable way that we're gonna make it through. And God goes, watch this. Sea stands up on end. He dries it up so they can walk through on, on dry ground. Can you imagine being the first one in that line? 
uh, it's like the ocean standing up alongside you, like, okay, you know, this is, you go first. Here, you go first. I'll follow you, right? It takes a little watch. It takes a little faith to step into it. But as they walked into it, God provided for them. God got them through on dry ground. And watch this. They get to the other side. And like it says here, I need you to remember, not only did I get you through on dry ground, but I used the new thing. I used the fresh thing, see standing up on its end, to be the thing that stretched your faith and then destroyed your enemy behind you so that when you went into the territory that I was calling you to go into, you would go into it free from the things of your past, free from the things that once held you down as you moved into the new as you moved into the fresh, I need you to remember what I did. I need you to remember who I am. In every spot in your life, children of Israel, where you're starting to lose hope, steer it up. Remember who I am. And to you, my friend, who've lost hope, to you who are starting to settle, don't you dare forget who your God is. You, my friend, need to remember who he is and what he has already done in your life. You need to remember that he is the God who spoke the world into existence. He's the God who shut the mouths of lions. He's the God who took down the walls of Jericho. And he's the God who showed up into your life, took you from where you were. Do you remember where you were? He took you from where you were. He's moved you to where you are. Some of us are like, well, I'm not there. And I'm not there. I'm not where I should be or where I want to be. But thank God I'm not where I used to be. See, you need to remember. He's been faithful to you every step of the way. You need to remember the stories. You need to remember the blessings. You need to remember how God has not failed you. And friends, he's been faithful to you. And his past faithfulness demands your present trust, demands your present faith. You see, I have a God who is faithful. Steer up the faith. Remember what he's done to the church that's loses hope when it looks at our nation, when church that loses hope when it looks at California, when a church that looks, loses hope when it looks at the dynamics of a city or whatever, the church that loses hope when it's like, God, where's our facility? Lord, where, where are you going to put it? The church that starts, God says, don't, don't, hey, don't forget. I'm the God that's brought revival to this nation before. I'm the God who's provided buildings. I'm the God who owns the, the, the cattle on a thousand hill. I'm the, don't you forget how I've provided in the past. Don't you forget, Citizens Church, that, that I've moved you like 40-something plus times. We've lost count into like eight different buildings. And I've been faithful to you every step of the way that in the middle of what would have, you know, closed the church down in some cases, man, you've thrived and I've been faithful to you. I'm, I'm still gonna be faithful, you see? Don't you forget. Come on. Steer up your faith. Do you remember? Hey, do you remember? You could answer it. Do you remember? Okay, we're all there. Here's the next thing he tells the children of Israel. They're like, yeah, God, let's go. It's going to be a new year. It's going to be fresh. Let's go. God said, do you remember it? And then he says, okay, great. Forget about it. Wait, hold on, God. Remember, remember, remember. And then what does he say? Forget the former things. Remember the former things. God, yeah. Now forget about it. Someone say forget about it. Do not dwell on the past. 
See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way. Someone says he makes a way. I am making a way now in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I once, I once made a way at the sea. I am now making a way in the desert. And if you spend your whole life remembering what I did at the sea, you may never experience what I'm about to do in the desert. Some of us are stuck today because we're down at the sea waiting for it to dry up when God's calling you to the desert so you might watch it spring up. You're over here going, God, if you could just do it the way you did it before. And God's going, no, I'm, I'm inviting you into something fresh, something new. I'm, I'm inviting you to, to trust me and, and step out in faith. So forget about what I've done before. See, friends, you and I can't expect to see God do something new when we're always running to something old. You with me? I've been thinking about it this week, thinking a lot about it, about how wild and illogical it is how sometimes we so badly want to see God do something new in our lives. Come on, I'm, I'm there with you. Like, God, I want to see you do something new and something fresh. You think about how wild it is, how, how it just makes no sense that we so badly want to see God do something new and fresh in our lives when all the while we're totally unwilling to do anything new with our lives to do anything fresh with our lives. You okay, church, you with me? And so we expect to see God do something new, but here we are running to the same old things, running to the same old friends, same old thoughts, same old patterns, same old, same old habits, same old decisions, you know, same old things, same old routines, some of us. And these last several years have fallen into some, some really bad routines. You know, like, I used to go to church, and I used to, you know, this, and we had the family, we're gonna, but now, you know, COVID, and I was kind of, just got a little routine. And now that routine's become a rut. That's what happens when you keep walking the same thing over, and all of a sudden, like, this is a deep rut, and I'm in a rut. And you found yourself in a, in a rut today. You, now you're just doing the same old thing, same old thing. You know that you need something fresh, but... You know that God's calling you something new, but you just kind of keep going to all the, the old. How many of you know that doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, it's been the definition of insanity, right? Like you keep doing that, thinking you're gonna get something else, it's not gonna happen. So, so yes, build your faith by remembering God says what I've done. Here's where I want to take you. We'll land with this. Build your faith by remembering what I've done. But in this year, church, for your life as an individual, we need to extend our faith by forgetting what he's done. Does that make sense? I build my faith by remembering, but I got to extend my faith by forgetting about it. In other words, I, I need to extend my faith and go, God, 
here's something fresh I need you to do in my life. But now I'm gonna ask a second question. God, what's the fresh you're asking me to do with my life? So God, I want you to do something fresh. God, I just, if you would, in this marriage, if you just finally, Lord, if, and with the kids, and God, with, the, with my finances, God, with, the, with this and with that, and, God, and you go, all these things, God, if you just do something fresh, God's going, I'm the God of fresh, I'm the God of new, and you're like, yeah, 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 God, God do what you do, and God goes, well, guess what? God, would you move? God's like, it's your move. It's like when you're playing, playing chess, like you, you move, they move, and then it's your move. God's like, you need to ask yourself that question. What is the new he's calling me to do? What's the fresh he's calling me to, to step into? Because if you keep going to the sea, waiting for it to part, you're gonna miss what he wants to do in the desert where you're gonna watch it spring. The desert's new. That's not ever happened before. The desert's, it's, it's new territory. Some of you are like, I don't like the desert. It's like really bad on my skin. And you know, like I, it's hot. It's like dehydration. Isn't it interesting how God covers both spectrums? Like the sea, the thing that can drown you, he dries up. And the, the desert, the thing that can dehydrate you, he springs up. It's like whenever you show up to where God's calling you to be, he, he meets you in these miraculous ways that you wouldn't expect to be, but you never experience that unless you actually step out into that. So church, let's answer that question in our lives. God is gonna do something new in your life and fresh in your life this year. I believe it. He wants you to stir up your faith and believe him for it. Like, look at what he's done already. Look at what he's done so far. Don't lose hope. Don't give up. What is the fresh thing you want to see God do? But then you need to answer that next question. What is the fresh he's calling you to do? It's time. It is time. We call this series Here and Now. Like your hope is here. It all starts now. This isn't like, oh, you know, we'll get to it. No, like today. You make the decision before you walk out of here to do the thing that God's been calling you to do, to in faith meet him in the place that he's been inviting you to, to, to in faith step out into those areas where he's been, he's been longing for you to meet him in. You know what's so funny about all this is often some people go, oh, I just don't know what God wants me to do. And it's like, yeah, you do. Problem is you know what God wants you to do, but you just don't like what he's asking you to do. And so you're asking him to give you something different to do. And when God's going, no, that's the next step. That's the next thing. And you're going, but God, if I do that, then this, and if this, and then that, and then I don't have time to go to this, and then that's gonna happen, and maybe that friend, and you got all these things in your head that you play out because God's asking you to do that, and you don't wanna do that, and so God give me something else. And you got all these things that you play out in your head. And when God's going, no, listen, just do what I've asked you to do, and let me worry about all the rest of it. Just take that step. Do that thing, okay? That's why it's called faith. We walk by, we walk by faith, not by sight. What sight? Sight's like, I want to see it all, God. <laughs> Just line it out for me. Give me the plan ahead of time, right? No, God's like, no, it's, it's, it's faith. It's always, you're going to calculate it all the time. You're going to get it all calculated out. And there's always going to be somewhere where you can't cross the T's or dot the I's, 
We can't dot the I's, cross the T's. Whatever order that goes in. There's always going to be places. That's how you know it's God, because it always takes a little bit of faith. And so God's, come with me in the new. It's going to exercise your faith. You're going to be the one at the Red Sea. You're going to step onto that dry ground in the middle of something that might not look like it should be happening, but it is happening because God's in the middle of it. You're going to step out and watch him work. I'm telling you, it's time. It's time for some of you to commit yourself afresh to God. Like you've been, you've been holding out and it's time to go all in. Like, just trust him. Align your life with what you know he has for you. It's time to go all in. You've been out running around trying to do things on your own, and you're getting nowhere. Like, it's time to come home. Just surrender to God. Stop running. Some of you, like, you love God, but you're chasing everything else. You love God, but you're out dabbling in everything else. Can I tell you where it leads? It leads to the same place it led the prodigal son. You're going to find yourself in a pigsty. Here's the problem. You're not a pig. And God's like, it's time to come home. And for some of you, you just need this year, right now, this day, in this moment, to come home. It's time. It's time for some of us in here, like, it's time you just got to, like, Commit yourself afresh to being planted in God's house. Planted. Like some of us have allowed this season to uproot our hearts a little bit from, from the house of God and from the family of God. You know what Psalm 92, 13 says? It says this, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. God says if you want to flourish, you got to get planted. Those who are planted in the house of God shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bear fruit in old age. Come on, somebody. You don't get to retire. You don't get to read, you're like, God's going, it's now time to bear fruit in old age. How does it happen? When you're planted in the house of God. They shall be fresh and flourishing, planted in the house of God. What's it mean? It means you put down some roots. It means you settle down into the local expression of the church body, the house of God, and you just say, this is where I am. I'm putting my foot down. I'm going to grow. I'm going to grow. And God, I'm telling you, you're going to flourish on the other side of it. You will. It's how he works over and over and over again. Some of you, it's time to get some help. Come on, what is the thing? What is the step? It's just time to get some help. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says this, two are better than one for they can help each other succeed. And some of you have been trying this on your own for far too long and you're going, God, I want to see you do something fresh. I want to see you do something new. And God's going, well, I'm calling you to do something fresh. Get some help. Like, it's time to get counseling. It's, it's time to open up your lives to other people. It's time to join a small group. Some of you have never been in a C group. Now, on your way out today, your step is you just need to join a C group. Get, your, get yourself around some other people who could love on you and walk with you. Every one of us need a place where we can take down the mask and say, this is who I am. Where people can come around you and walk with you into all that God has. We all need that place. And for some of you, it's time. He never intended for you to travel alone. That's why the, fam that's why the church exists. For some of you, it's time to get help breaking addiction, to get help with your finances. It's time. It's time to get help with some relationships and some stuff with kids. It's time to get help. Like you've been trying to figure out parenting on your own. Good luck. By the way, there are parents who have done this before. Like, 
let him help you. You're like, yeah, I know there is. Everywhere I go, everyone's giving me advice, right? Everyone's telling me how I need to do this. Well, there's biblical, biblical ways to do that, friends. Oh, we have small groups that help people with this. Get some help. You see? That's new. That's the point. So, God is the God of fresh, amen. Amen. What is the fresh thing you want to see God do in your life? And what's the fresh thing God's asking you to do in your life? I think those are the questions we need to answer today as we step off, step out into this new year. You know, and I thought a way that we could solidify that is by giving you an opportunity just to write it out. So on your seats, when you came in, there's a, there's a black card there. Why don't you get those out? Come on, everybody, get them out. And there's a, there's a pen for you. And I want you to take this moment serious. As we've been going through God's word today, and you've been asking yourself these questions, I want you now to, to write it out. Like there's something powerful about writing it out. It's just getting it out. The Bible says, write the vision, make it plain. It's, it's something about putting it out on paper, putting it out there, you know, not just in here. I'm, I'm getting it out. And so I want you on there today to answer two questions, just to put two things. And you don't have to put your name. You don't have to do any of that if, if you're not comfortable. But the first question is, like, what do you believe in God for this year? That's the first question. Like, what am I believing God for this year? And just write that out. Marriage, relationship with kids, finance. What, what do you believe in God for this year? But then I want you to think about this because God's usually been whispering it to you already. What is God asking me to do this year? It's renewing a commitment. It's getting on a budget. Oh man. It's, come on, fill in the blank. What is God asking me to do this year? Joining a small group. It's jumping on a team and helping serve. It's living in my purpose. It's what is it? So just those two things. And here's what we're gonna do is on, on our way out, you guys go ahead and start filling those out right now. On the way out, we got a, got a spot where you can post those. Just your way of going, here God, I'm giving you this. And as a church, we're gonna commit ourselves, we're gonna gather all those up and we're gonna commit ourselves to praying for you and coming alongside you, believing God with you, walking with you and encouraging you every step of the way. It's time, church. He's the God of new beginnings. He's the God of fresh works. Let him show up in your life. Steer up your hope. Steer up your faith. Remember who he is. Remember what he's done. And now forget about it. He's up to something new. Meet him in the new. Meet him in the fresh.